Um, there have been a few hints this morning already, but uh, today is Father's Day. We'll just, uh, just have a, a quick check. Has anyone here been spoilt today at all yet? Ooh, ooh, Mark, tell us quickly. We've got a few minutes. Tell us how you were spoilt. Is the... I'm looking forward to something. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Right, okay. Um, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Teaching his children expectation and hope. I like it. Peter, you had your hand up. Can I? You had a cup, cup of tea? nice. Can I go down a bit, Steve? Yeah. Anyone else want to share? John! Ooh. Oh, isn't that nice? Your wife loves you enough to make you a cooked breakfast, freshly toasted cardboard. <laughs> Wonderful. Anyone else want to share? You know what? Sometimes, and I'm, I'm hoping that for many of you here, Father's Day will conjure up really good memories. Either of ways that you have been spoilt, or how you have seen your husband being spoilt, or how you yourself have spoilt your own father. Fathers in an ideal world are wonderful people. For myself, I have been blessed with an incredibly loving, supporting dad who who is always ready to do whatever it takes to support me. Um, and I, it's, it's really comforting, is it not, to know that there is someone who you can always go to. Um, of course he's not perfect. And that's rubbed off because his son's not all that perfect either. But in my father, I get to see a glimpse of what our Heavenly Father is like. And that's a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm hoping that for you fathers who are gathered here today, um, that, that is, is something that your kids will say one day as well. But I'm also standing up the front here today very much aware that not everyone has fond memories of their fathers. Um, there are fathers who have denied their children time, who have denied their children love, who have denied their children their lives. There are fathers who have hurt and caused incredible pain to their children. Um, I think it's a psychiatrist, Scott Peck, tells the story, and I might have shared this in church before, of, of a, a, a teenager named Bobby talking with him, struggling with coping with his brother's suicide. His brother had shot himself. And this was a big deal. Of course it is. Your brother shot yourself. And one Christmas, his parents give the surviving brother a gift of the very shotgun that his brother shot himself with. That's horrible, isn't it? There are some people who have not got good memories of fathers or mothers. I have a friend who is estranged from his father. And I'm sure if you think about it, you have one as well. Unfortunately, fathers are the most amazing people in the world, but they can also cause such hurt. 
And it can be hard to trust a heavenly father who we cannot see. When our earthly father was perhaps absent or distant or selfish or cruel. I think that a father who points us to God is one of the best gifts that God gives us. But for all of us, regardless of the experience of fatherhood that we have had in our families, or the experience of fatherhood even that we have undertaken, for all of us, there is a better gift, and that is the fatherhood of God himself. Because I believe that God sets the mark for what fatherhood is. Jesus had the most amazing relationship with his dad. He trusted him absolutely. He came to earth, became human, died. Because he trusted his father. Because he wanted what his father wanted. Because they were united together in their love for us. Now, before we get fully started here, let me just say, ladies, it's Father's Day. (laughs) But ladies also, you have a father. In some ways, what I'm going to be saying today is especially relevant for the men in the room and for those who are fathers. But all of us are children of God. And all of us have a father and all of us maybe know a man who is a father. That's probably a fair statement. But I want want all of us to revel in the fact that we have a dad who cares for us above anything else. You know, as, as I said, Jesus and his father had this incredible relationship. Who here prays, uh, you know, always prays every day, all the time, no matter what happens? Eh, One of you maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Jesus prayed incredibly. He just talked with his dad. And one day he was doing that and he was doing his regular thing of spending time talking with dad. And his disciples came up to him and said, Jesus, (laughs) teach us how to pray. John the Baptist, he taught his followers how to pray. Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to relate to God the way that you relate to him. I, I don't think that they went to him and said, give us the right technique for how to do this communicating thing. I think they looked at him and said, What you got with God, with your Father, is something that we want. Teach us that. Let's have a look at what happens. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 11. Uh, We're going to look at the first 13 verses there. Some of you will recognize um, this passage as well. Luke chapter 11. Uh, Once, Jesus was in a certain place praying. There we go. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, uh, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, well, this is how you should pray. Our Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. 
forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield. Don't let us give in to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose um, you went to a friend's house at midnight. Just have a look around and see whose house you would go to at midnight. You go to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow, and by borrow he means have, three loaves of bread. And you say to him, my friend has just arrived for a visit. Okay, so two people are arriving at midnight. This is getting a bit rude. My friend has just arrived for a visit, and I've got nothing for him to eat. This is bad news, by the way, in a society where hospitality is everything. You do not not feed a guest. And so he rushes off and knocks on the door and says, I need food, I need food. And suppose your friend who's up in his house calls out from his bedroom, Don't don't bother me. The door's locked for the night and my my family and I are all in bed. I cannot help you. Just also notice that for those days, in all probability, this is, thank you, (laughs) this is a one-bedroom house. Who here has had young children and they've just gotten to sleep and someone says, Can we turn on the lights? He calls out, I can't help you. But, says Jesus, I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, looking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. Because everyone who asks, gets. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, you fathers, and all the fathers looked up at Jesus, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask you for an egg, do you, you know, just for laughs, give them a scorpion? Duh, of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's a rule of relationships that there are levels of things that we talk about. And even with your, if your father is the best father in the world, there will be some things that, that you cannot talk about there. But I believe that as Jesus speaks to us about our heavenly father, he invites us to take our whole lives to God our father. I mean, that's the first thing that Jesus says. They say, how do we have what you have, Jesus? How do we pray? And Jesus says to them, pray to your Father. Pray to your Father, the one 
who cares for you, who loves you, who provides for you, the one who rescues you. Yeah, I believe that there is great joy in seeing your children grow up and take on some of your characteristics. And I believe that God has exactly the same desires. He wants us to be like Him. When He made the world, God put men and women in the world and said, let us make man in our image. Let us make humanity like us. Let them represent us. Let them be rulers over this world on our behalf. He made us to be like Him. And then we, you know, being us, kind of ruined it. But God's plan all along has been for us to be like Him. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 tells us about how God has planned before the beginning of time that we should be conformed, that we should be changed to be like Jesus. God loves us and the thing that He wants most is to be able to look at you and I and go, that's my son. That's my daughter. Can you see the family resemblance in who they are and how they are? God is our Father, which makes us His children, which means that we are invited into the family of God. We're invited to be, to become like Him. And as our Father God's not just one of the guys. He's not just one of the gang. He deserves our respect simply because of who He is. And, and as children, we should be making it our goal to, to respect and honor our Heavenly Father. For we should be making it our goal to have things be the way that He wants them to be. Because we want to please Him. We don't always get that right, do we? If your child brings you a piece of burnt toast that's more black than bread, do you look at them and say, that's disgusting, you stupid idiot. Why on earth would you do that? I hope not. I hope you look at that and go, man, you really wanted to bless me and encourage my heart. And I reckon God is God, but God looks at us and and, and when we say, God, your will be done, your kingdom come, God looks at us and says, you know what, sometimes you mess it up a little bit, but your heart, you, you want me. You want my smile. That's what Jesus was all about, isn't it? Seeing God's will being done. We also need to recognize that God provides for everything that we need. We don't have to worry one of the saddest things in the world is to see kids who are worried about where the next meal comes from. And for those of us who grew up in a family where that was hidden from us, and maybe some of you grew up in a family where that was never an issue. But parents look out for their kids, don't they? They work long hours to provide for their children. Dads especially in our culture do that. And, and God, our Father, well, He's God so He doesn't have to work long hours, but, but He provides for us. And Jesus says, 
you know, trust that your dad's going to look after you. And as we pray, Jesus says, ask for forgiveness. You know, when we sin, we are being like teenagers, like bad teenagers. Sinning is saying, you aren't the boss of me, to God. It's saying, I don't really believe you're the very best. I don't want you as my father. I don't want you to be in charge. And if you've ever heard that said to you, or if you've ever said that and had time to think about it, that hurts, doesn't it? God, God is, is God, but God is not immune to it when we stab him in the back. But as a father, as a father, he is always there, ready and quick to forgive. As a father, he is always there, waiting for us. And when we messed up and when we say, I am so sorry, he is there to say, that is okay, you messed up, let's move forward together. That's what a father does. Even if, if the cost is incredibly great. Now, Many, many years ago, uh, must be about 15, maybe even more years ago, I had just got my driver's license. Woo! And somehow my sister and I managed to con my dad into taking his almost brand new car down to Esperance on a beach mission. Well, it was fine, it was fine. Problem arose because there was someone I was trying to impress. And I thought, let's drive out of this carport nice and quickly. And the pole didn't agree with me. And I was so apologetic and I was so worried and so upset. And my dad said, that's okay, we'll get it sorted. Isn't that amazing? That, you see, that's what dads do. When we come to them and say, we've messed up, they don't, ideally, they don't go, you idiot, you so-and-so, I'm never going to let you ever drive again because you're the worst person in the world. They say, man, you really did mess up, didn't you? We might have to do something about that, but come on. We still love you. We're still there for you, and we can still move on, and that's what God does. Jesus says, speak to your dad and say, Father, forgive us for where we mess up, and, and, and by the way, help us not to mess up. Lead us not into temptation. We can talk to God about everything. We can talk to God about, I love this last bit of the Lord's Prayer, we can talk to Him about our greatest temptations. And what's more, we can say to Him, God, I know that's a lie, help me not to buy into the lie. Help me not to think that what Satan offers is more valuable than you and your love for me. You know, some of us have the most incredibly approachable dads. That's wonderful. Others wouldn't approach their dads with a barge pole. For most of us, there would be certain issues we wouldn't speak to our, our fathers about because... Perhaps there's an issue that they wouldn't understand or what would they think or our own pride or our own, well, I'm my own man now kind of thing. And you know what? You're all adults here, but there's still a little bit of that, isn't there? Jesus is teaching us how to relate to God 
and he's saying to us, with our Father, you don't have to be ashamed. He tells this wonderful story of, of the guy knocking on the door at midnight. And by the way, we don't keep extra bread in the house, so midnight's not a good time to come knocking. <laughs> we do. If you need bread, come at midnight. That's, that's fine. Not a problem. Two o'clock's even better. Uh, Jesus tells the story of the unexpected guest. And Jesus isn't saying that God is like a grumpy neighbor who if you pester him long enough, he'll get out of bed and give you what he wants because, I mean, you're just such a pain. I think Jesus is saying quite the opposite. See, this sort of situation where a friend might not get out of bed and give you the bread. Did I say bread twice? This sort of situation is unthinkable in that culture. Oh, you're knocking at my door. Yes, my children are asleep and I'm really annoyed with you, but of course I'm getting out to give you some bread. Of course I'm going to do that. And it's even more unthinkable that God would begrudge giving us what we need. So, says Jesus, keep on knocking, keep on looking, keep on asking. Be unashamed when you go to God with your needs, with your joys, with your pains, with your struggles, with your hopes. God is always there, ready, willing, wanting to answer the door. No matter the cost. If it means waking in the family, God says, that's fine, because I am the one who's going to look after you. In that culture, not getting up to give someone a loaf of bread was unthinkable. In God's culture, not loving us is unthinkable. So much so, I mean, my kids are asleep, but I want to wake them up, says the man in the story. Says God to us, my son, my own beloved son, it's going to cost him his life, but I will answer the door. I will answer the door. So says Jesus to us, don't be ashamed of going to your dad. Don't think that he's not going to answer you. Don't think that he's not going to understand. Don't think that he's going to be angry at you for waking him up in the middle of the night. Quite the opposite. God's not like that. God is a truly good father. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, but if you're a dad here, uh, Jesus calls you evil. And we are evil, aren't we? Compared to God, absolutely evil. But even evil dads, dads who mess up, sometimes, maybe once in their life, know how to give good gifts to their kids. And Luke says, God our Father gives us the Holy Spirit because what we need most, what we need most from our dad is Him. What we need most from our dad is his presence, is his power, is, his, is, is a knowledge that he is with us, caring for us, nurturing after us, helping us live lives of integrity, helping us resist the evil, helping us live for him. What we need most and what Jesus had in spades and what the disciples saw, what we need most is an awareness that God is our Father and that He loves us and that He is with us. I know that there are some dads who do evil. And if that is your story, then 
I am so very, very sorry. That's not the way it's meant to be. But take comfort in this, that there is a Father who loves you. Who you can be yourself with unashamedly. Who you don't have to guard yourself with. Who when you risk showing love to him is not going to give you a backhand. But will instead look on you and you'll just see how much he appreciates it. You have a dad who wants you to be more like him and will walk through life with you. Fathers and mothers, this applies to you, but I'm talking to dads especially today. Fathers, what sort of a dad are you? I know that many of you here, your children are grown up, and I know that many of you here, your children are still young. What sort of a dad are you? If you belong to Jesus, you have the best example of fatherhood to copy. If you belong to Jesus, you are being changed from being one who does evil to one who looks like the Father. My challenge to you today is to look to God and say, God, I want to be a man like you. I want to be someone who one day will show my children what you are like. And look, if you're sitting here going, I haven't been a good dad. And newsflash, all of you haven't been good dads at various points. If you're sitting here going, I have been absent, I have caused hurt, I'm not sure that my children look at me and see something of God's love and God's character. Well, our Father is one who loves us and forgives us and leads us forward. So for goodness sake, let's go to Him and say, God, I've caused pain. Help me to be like You. Wouldn't it be great... Sorry to bring a downer to the end of the, the service. Wouldn't it be great if at your funeral, think about what your kids would say about you. Wouldn't it be great if at your funeral, your children looked at you and said, there was something about him that reminded me of God. That that is something to aim at. And if you are not a dad, wouldn't it be great if at your funeral people looked at you and they stood up and said, there's something about them that reminded me of God too. Because there is kids. May God bless you. May you know the loving presence of your Father. May His love outweigh any hurts that you have experienced. May His love inspire you 
to be like him to those who look up to you. Amen. Thanks, Nick.